At this time, we'll have our second message of the day by Mr. Steve Andrews. Jesus was always teaching, instructing, guiding, leading, bringing information to those around him. And he did most of it in parables. And his disciples asked him one day, Why do you speak in parables? And he answered them. He answered them. You'll find these two verses in Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 10 and 11. He says, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but the, unto them it is, not, it is not given. Brethren, what are we? Answer me, what are we? Come on, I just told you what we are. Disciples? Disciples? Are we disciples? Are we students of Jesus Christ? So what are we doing? We are learning the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Every week, when we come together to listen to the Word of God, it is being revealed to us about the kingdom of heaven. The whole book of the Bible, essentially, is looking at that mystery or those things that God is wanting us to understand because we are His students. We are His children. We are the ones that He is giving this information to. He says in verse 17, For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Think of men like I, and they saw, but they, they didn't quite comprehend all of the things that we comprehend today. As students and disciples of Jesus Christ, we have a blessing in the understanding because, and I'm going to turn to this one first, even though I haven't got that one in the order in which uh, Brian has. I want to go back to 51 because I, I was thinking about what this ending parable here had to say and it was very interesting to me. Verse 51 he says, and Jesus said unto him, have you understand all these things? They say unto him, yea Lord. And then he said unto them, therefore every scribe which is instructed into the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which brings forth out of his treasure new and old. Where is our treasure? Well, it's in heaven. We know that it's going to be, you know, we're going to have a, a tremendous blessing when we are transformed into, you know, spirit beings. But it's also bound up in this book, in the old things that were taught and the new things that were taught by Jesus. This is a treasure trove of understanding of the kingdom of God. As in the New Testament, or I mean as in Matthew, it is the kingdom of heaven. But it's the same thing. It's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven as we understand it. Needless to say, and I would like to go back and, and, and prove what Jesus said about, let's go to Daniel, the, the 12th chapter. Daniel had some tremendous and, and wonderful prophecies and visions and things. 
then at the end of all of this, guess what he's told them? In verse 9. Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the end of the, day, uh, end of the age. To the end. Daniel, I've given you all of this. You've had all these tremendous visions, but I'm not going to tell you everything. Seal it up. Close it up. It's for the end. Today, we have God's Word. Revealed in here are the things of the of tremendous importance and tremendous blessings to each and every one of us to understand it. And we are given by Christ as his disciples that responsibility to understand and to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. On, past, uh, on um, Pentecost, we read one verse, Matthew 13, verse 33. Uh, I think Lawrence read this on the past, uh, Pentecost day. The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Now, they had a little different situation back then than we have today. I mean, we have an awful lot of products that we can go and buy in the store to have bread. But they had to do it a little differently. They had to wait. They had to wait till the spores in the air leavened the starter. They would keep the starter, and then they would stick that into to their bread meal, and then that would expand. And so it was a process, and it started out small. I mean, I don't know how small leavening spores are, you know, the, the yeast spores in the air are, but they're pretty small. And then they, by that, they, he, he was showing they grow. Well, in 31 and 32 is another parable of that growth. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in the field. Now, I, I, I'm really not too sure what seed this one is. There's an awful lot of very small seeds. But this particular one grows very, very big, very, very tall, which indeed is least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. The parables are talking about the kingdom of God starting small, Starting, I think, at that foundation. It says he had that idea from the foundation of the ages, of the world, that this would be a kingdom, and it would have sons, and his son would rule over us. What a tremendous and fantastic thing we have. But, before that happened, and this is the other thing that I was thinking about, there's an awful lot of things that have to, to go before God's kingdom comes to this earth. And so I, in my own mind, I digressed. I, know, I don't know how many of you start a Bible study and think about, oh boy, this is going to expand into to, you know, to a lot of areas, a lot of different things. So I, I got to thinking about the kingdom of God and about how he sent Christ to the earth to fulfill those things that were prophesied in the Old Testament for him. But then there's more. There's more that is to come. And that is those things that are going to happen before the return of Jesus Christ. And Christ prophesied, and he was a prophet, along with being a teacher, in Matthew, the 24th chapter. He said, When you therefore see the abomination, in verse 15, of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso reads, let him understand. Remember, we're given these mysteries to understand. And so we have to watch, we have to read, we have to understand the word of God. 
We have to take all the, the things that we have in the Bible together so that we can understand what's happening. Verse 21, and I, I, I skip some of these. I've even got a little arrow here that I, I write from verse 21 up to, to verse 15. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. There has to come a time before this kingdom is complete and on this earth when great tribulation will come upon the earth. A time like has never happened before. We've seen wars and rumors of wars. We've had many difficult things. And I think part of what was going on in my mind was a lot of what was happening uh, during these tornado things. I, you watch the devastation and you think about that devastation and you think about what has happened to those people down in Moore and Shawnee and all of those areas and their lives are turned upside down because all of a sudden their homes are gone, all of their belongings are gone and you know how it is with us. <laughs> we have certain mementos, certain things that we hold dear and all of a sudden it's all destroyed, it's all gone. Jesus says there's going to come a time when there, the destruction is going to be so great upon this earth that instead of having FEMAs and, and Homeland Securities and, and local authorities and, and many people come to your aid, it's going to come a time when there's no one going to be able to come to your aid because everyone is going to be in the same situation. It is going to be a time of tremendous uh, turmoil on this earth. Wicked weather, destructive uh, things going on, earthquakes all over the world. It is going to be a terrible time. And it says, Jesus goes on to say in verse 29, he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall, give, shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. The world is going to be shaken because of men's sins. And then shall the sign of the Son of Man, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It is going to take a great destructive force with many people out of homes, out of the places to live, without food, without shelter. Great and terrible things will happen on this earth before Christ returns. He says, He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of, the, of heaven to the other. And then He says there's a parable here. Another parable for us to kind of to, to comprehend, because it says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When His branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise you, when you see all these things, know that it's near even at the door. Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass, but my word shall not pass away. In other words, he's saying this is a surety. It's going to happen. We don't know when. We haven't set any dates. And for those who set dates, when the signs are not right and nothing is going on, you know, they are false prophets. That's why we, we don't set dates, but we watch. We see what's going on in the world. We see the things that are happening. To be aware. To be ready. We know one thing. To go along with this thought, that the kingdom will start out small and be established on the earth when Christ returns in Isaiah the second chapter in verse 2 it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all hills and all nations shall flow into it the point is 
that when Christ returns and they go and they, they set up in Jerusalem, it will slowly expand from there. But we know the world will be in, a, in, in dire straits and need help. And that's where his disciples, his children will come in. You and I will be the FEMAs, the Homeland Securities, those that will go out and help because God will set up sovereignty all over all nations, so he's going to be providing what is, being, what is going to be needed for these people. You know, it's interesting that not all mysteries are fully understood. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we look at the times. That's why we try to comprehend those things that are written so that we can better understand what Christ and God the Father are working towards. A couple of those are found in, in Daniel and in Revelation. And I'd like to use these two examples as springboards for this thought. That these mysteries are still not understood completely. And yet maybe in the world things are beginning to happen Things are beginning to come about because, you know, it, 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 like he said, it starts small and then begins to broaden. I think even, even these things that are happening in the world are beginning to change morally and, 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 the, and the world's governments and stuff. Daniel was given a vision for the leader at that time, which was Nebuchadnezzar. He was a world ruler. He was the first world ruler. And in verse um, 31, I'm breaking into this thought so that we won't have to read all of this. This is the answer to the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had. You, O king, saw us, and behold, a great image, the great image whose brightness was, the excellence, was excellent, stood before you, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, and his feet of iron and part clay. Now we went through, I went through this once before, and I, I'm going to focus on something that I thought about today. You saw us till the stone was cut out of, without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and broke them into pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together, became like a chaff, and the summer threshing floor and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so this vision was a vision of, the, of what God had planned for the whole world from this beginning world leader till the end when Christ comes and takes over the kingdom of God. This is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Verse 36. You, O king, are the king of kings for God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. We must also understand that God allows and sometimes sets up those kings and kingdoms, for his own purpose. So wherever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, has he given to your hand and has, you, and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. And after you shall arise another kingdom. These are kingdoms, governments, inferior to you. And another third kingdom of brass shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things, as iron that breaks in all these shall in, break in pieces and bruise. And whereas you saw us the feet of toes, part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it strength of iron, for as much as you saw us iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron, part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Whereas you saw us iron mixed with miry clay and shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, 
But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. In the days of the kings shall the, of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall be left uh, shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as you saw us that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and is broken in pieces of iron and brass, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. And we know that those kingdoms came about all the way up to the Roman Empire, which are the two legs to the east and to the west. What we've always speculated is who these ten kings are at the end that will be part iron and part miry clay and not able to really get along with one another. It's interesting, and I've, I've heard many, many different scenarios over my, my, my time, <laughs> and I think Lawrence has too probably, and, and any of them could be correct. And I would like to just throw out another thought, not necessarily uh, you know, that, that would go down in the history of anything, but God said, you shall, not ha you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. We know there's going to be a type of religion set up at the end that's going to rule the world along with this power, this great power that's going to rule the world with these ten kings. And I was thinking how the world is beginning to change, you know, even our own nation. From what we, and some of us have lived long enough to see that, others of you, um, you know, growing up in a nation that you are, you know, recognizes um, the country you live in. But it seems like that we are moving more and more to a police state, to a, and I'm not just saying just this particular government, this particular president, this particular administration. It has been happening for quite a long time. For some reason, there has been a, a movement away from the freedoms that we, that our founding fathers had given us, towards a more uh, restricted and more, um, socialistic, economistic way of, of life. What if the religion that comes about is a religion of the state, such as communism, in which they worship the state rather than any kind of a, of a, um, of a deity? You know, in China and Russia, uh, maybe Russia is a little less of that than they used to be, but in, in those totalitarian environments, there was no worship, Christian worship of, of any kind at all. They essentially were wards of the state. They were serfs of the state. And so how do you get 10 of these nations together to even think alike? Now we know that it says they are iron, so they're somewhat strong, mixed with miry clay, and at the end, they're going to work together for a short time. Could they be totalitarian states in which all of their subjects are under the religion of the state? I don't know. It is another, it's one of those unanswered uh, mysteries that we watch. We want to know. We want to understand what's happening in the world so that we'll be ready. We don't want to be like the, the virgins that weren't ready. When Christ calls, we want to be ready. If we are the ones who are passing this information down to you young ones who are sitting in the audience today, who are listening to this message, you young girls and young boys, young men, and we are trying to impart our wisdom of this word to you, you need to be watching. As you grow up in this way, you need to be watching these events in the world 
so that you are ready. That time of great tribulation will be a time of, of great horror, of great um, physical and emotional and mental stress. And some may have to live through it. It says that not all, there will be some that will go to a place of safety, but some will have to live through that. You will have to depend upon God to take care of you and to guide you and to lead you. But remember, it's the kingdom of God that's coming to this earth. And when we see that great tribulation, when we see those things coming, as it says, when that tree, when it's ready, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Now, some of us may not live that long, but some of us may live into that kingdom. In Revelation, the 13th chapter, there's uh, the scenario. My, my Bible has it called the beast. It's called the beast. And it's very informative about this final beast power and its rulership and how it's going to, to rule over the earth. He said, I stood, on the, I stood on the sand of the sea and saw a great a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So right there we see something kind of interesting. Aren't those communist nations blasphemous? They don't like God of any kind. They don't like gods. And they will blaspheme gods. And it's getting to the point where Christians are, are maligned and ridiculed for what they believe. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and the mouth of a, of a lion, and the dragon gave him power, and his seat was, had great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and the deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered at the beast. Now, I'm not trying to interpret this one today. I'm just trying to show you some, some scenarios here in this chapter 13 of Revelation. And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? The beast is a, is a world ruling power, or a power. And they're worshiping the power. They're worshiping that. What happens when you're totally dependent upon the state? Everything, your food, your clothing, your housing, your, your health, everything you're dependent upon the state. Aren't you going to be a little worried if the state takes it away from you? Because you're no longer independent. You're a serf, you're a servant. Here we have a great power. And it says, who is like unto the beast? And, it's, and not only that, they're worshiping the beast. They worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast. And there was given unto him, speaking great things, blasphemies. Power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in, the, in heaven. And is given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him and whose name are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's going to come to a point when everyone will believe that this is the power, the way of life. If any man have an ear, let him hear. It's in the book for a reason. And it's in there to warn us of certain things that might come upon us. He that leads into captivity shall go into captivity. And he that kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. We are the saints. Those that might be left. Some may not be at this particular point in history. But some of the saints will. Some of the saints will have to go through this. And they beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke as a dragon. He exercised all power of the first beast before him, causes the earth, and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He goes, 
And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven out of the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives them that dwells on the earth. So there's deception. We, we have a great, we have a great um, uh, avenue of deception in this, in this world today. The movies, and television, and radio, our uh, various... Uh, news organizations, all of those could deceive the populace. And they have. They have. Look at, look at Germany. They had a whole nation that was trying to wipe out another nation because they were deceived by a madman. Those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying, Them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which, was, uh, which had the wound by the sword and did, uh, did, not, and did live. So, here we have another instance in where they are making an image, which it says you're not to, to, to bow down to, you know, it's an idolatry. You're not to bow down to any image. You're not to worship that image. You're not to worship this image. Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing. Remember, he built himself a nice big giant thing and they told everybody they had to worship it. So there's going to come a time when they're, they're going to build an image and we're going to have to worship at it. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And so those of us who, just, who are alive at the time and we refuse to worship, we will not survive. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and their foreheads, and that man might buy or sell, save that he had a mark on the name of the beast or the number of his name. And he says here in his wisdom, let him that has the understanding count the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score and six, or six, six, six. And there's been on that. You know, there's been an awful lot of speculation about 666. Who is the 666? It goes back. These are all scenarios that are bringing us to, to the one thing, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. When Christ will return to this earth. Personally, though, how are we doing? How are we doing in our own lives? I have to ask myself that sometimes. Because I know that it's not always the way that I would, would like to live. Back to Matthew, the 13th chapter, as we change thoughts here. <laughs> See where two small scriptures <laughs> can lead your mind? If you just let it, you can develop the scenario and understand what, what God is looking at. Because the Bible is filled with all kinds of interesting things. He probably would have never thought that I would go that direction with those two. Those two. Jesus spoke in parables to the crowds. To his disciples, he explained those parables. He wanted them to understand. Like we, we need to understand whatever he teaches us. And even though a parable might be explained in the middle of something after it was given to the crowd, it does say in verse 34, and I'm just going to break in here at 34, All these things spoke Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spoke he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. These parables were things that were revealing of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And then he sent the, par the, the, the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came and saying, Declare unto us these parables of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them. Now let's go back. Let's see what he says to the crowds. There's two parables here. There's one of the tares and the wheat, and there's one of the sower of the seeds. 
The tares and the, the wheat and the tares always has bothered me. And I, I, I don't know why, but it, it just, it, it really is kind of scary to understand that there can be those who are, you know, if they sit in services and they listen and they're there, which is what it seems to, that they are tares and not of the wheat. Verse 24, the parable he sent forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. And the tares are false grain. Kind of, you know, useless stuff. False grain. He sowed tares among uh, the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was... Uh, sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? From whence then has this, these tares? Where did they come from? He said to him, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will you then that we go and gather them up? Ah, no. That's why you gather up the tares, you root up the wheat with them. While you gather those tares, you root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather you together first the tares and bind them in the bundles and burn them, but gather you the wheat into my barn. They were sitting there, they were listening to that, and they were wondering, what? What's this all about? So they came and asked him, and he says, He that sows, in verse 37, he sows the good seed as the Son of Man. So there's good seed. You, brethren, are the good seed. God has sown, you know, you're raising up in His, in Christ's image, in His, His truth, in His way. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. There are children of the wicked one. There are children of Satan who might look just like us. The enemy that sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. It is interesting that the reapers, Jesus says, are going to be the angels. Maybe he doesn't feel like we should be reaping humankind and that the angels will have that responsibility to reap them. He says, therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend them, which do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of the fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of, of teeth. And sh then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who has, a, who has ears to hear, let him hear. These are warnings, brethren, in the scripture of the kingdom of God and how it, it is going to, to work out in the end. And there will be those who are terrors, because Jesus says there are. We want to be that good seed, the fruitful seed, the children of the kingdom. He gave another parable. And this one we're very, very familiar with. This parable is the parable of the sower of the seed. And, and I like, you, know, you, you really ought to imagine yourself sitting there, and you're not able to understand it, but you're listening to this, because we were, they were farmers. They were um, uh, herdsmen. They were men of the for the most part, those who were listening, except for maybe the Sadducees and Pharisees and, and the scribes and the different ones that were there that were of, of the other thing. But the, a lot of them are farmers, and so the, he used these analogies so to, sh to, to get through to, to some. Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell in the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up be because they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. 
Some fell among the thorns, and thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who has, a hear, who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So he explains this parable, and he says, Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. When one hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and casts away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. So this particular parable helps us to understand why some just don't grasp it. They don't understand the word of God. They cannot grasp these words because when they when they get a little hold of it, Satan comes along takes it away from them. Pulls it right out of their heart. We wouldn't understand that, would we? I mean, we, I've seen people give up this way of life. I've seen them go back to Sunday and everything else. And they understood this scriptures. Satan is out there. He's ready. He's ta he'll take you away in an instant. He said, but the he that received the seed into the stony places is the same that hears the word and anon with joy receives it. Yet has no root in himself, but doers for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. We can't be offended by the word, we must be able to stand up at any cost. Jesus stood up to the cost of death for you and me. He that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word. So they hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The person is growing up, he, he's, he's there and, there and and he's growing, and all of a sudden the cares of the world take a hold. The deceitful of riches, maybe he's got some money, and the deceitful of those riches take a hold. They choke the word out. They choke the word out, and he becomes unfruitful. This is what we all want to be. No matter how much fruit we're bearing, we want to be this last one. He that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some 100-fold, some 60-fold, and some 30-fold. We need to be that planted in that good earth, solidly planted in that good earth, our roots are so deep, so deep, nothing can shake us out of this. They spread out, and they are solid. And what's coming up is the fruit of the Word of God. And it'll never be shaken, never be shaken out of us. No matter what the tribulation, no matter what the trials, no matter what happens, it'll never be shaken because our roots and our way, we are attached to Jesus Christ. I mean, there's a lot, Jesus used a lot of analogies <laughs> to help us. That's why they're there. He wants us to succeed. He doesn't want Satan to win. Satan's not going to win. Satan's going to be bound up and only loose for a short season. He's going to be bound. He's going to, he's going to go to that Tartarus and be bound forever. Don't let Satan win in your life. Be fruitful, growing. I sure appreciated Matt's message. And let me say that we did not talk. If that doesn't show you something, <laughs> I never even talked to him at all. I was going to. I thought, well, I'll you know, give him a call and see what, the, what their theme was going to be. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that it was going to be this 
profound and, and beautiful chapter in Matthew the 13th, chapter in which he covered these. I had a little a different take. I had a little different take on the, these, and his was beautiful, and I think that it, it probably is the right take on the ones, the buried treasure and the pearl of great price. But I was thinking, for the sake of the kingdom, let's read them again. Matt read them, and I'm going to read, read them again. Again, the kingdom of heaven, verse 44, is like unto the treasure laid, hid in the field, which a man has found. He, hids, he hides for joy thereof, and goes and sells all that he has, and buys the field. In verse 45 and 46, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I truly do believe that that, both of those, that it does talk about Christ. That's what he's doing. And I know that what he has done is given up everything for the kingdom of God. He sacrificed his whole life so that the kingdom of God could come to this earth and could benefit all of mankind. All of mankind. Everyone that will hear the word. All of us who will hear the word and, be, and repent and receive the spirit. All of us who will come into the kingdom of God as children of God. All of us who will teach and train and bring more sons because Jesus will be there bringing more and more into the kingdom of God. Jesus looked down and saw the end result and was willing to give up his life because the treasure was so great and so wonderful and so fantastic. Like I say, we, we, we have this word and we see things. He's given us this mystery of the kingdom of God, but we can't see all of it. We can't see way down into the future what God has for us, where we're going to be 10, 20, 50, 100,000 years from now because we're going to have eternal life. But he has given us an understanding of the things of the way of life into the kingdom. Beautiful thoughts. Verse 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net and was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. That's what God is doing. He's, you know, it would be, God would like to see all men. That's what it says. All men come to repentance. All men come to repentance. When, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessel but cast the bad away. I wish that those things were, I wish he didn't have to write that. I wish there was a way in which God would be able to, to change every man's heart so that he would accept the kingdom of God. But obviously, from what Jesus said, there's going to be those that aren't going to accept that. And they aren't going to come to this understanding. And they are going to be rebellious, and they're not going to be in the kingdom of God. Because he says, there are going to be those that are bad, and they're going to be cast away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, I didn't want to, I was going to read 51 and 52, but since I already did that, I thought I might explain what my little tag ended up being. I went ahead and wrote down diamond. And the reason why I wrote down diamond is because we use diamonds in the oil patch. Um, it is a part of our drilling. Um, it used to be that they used these uh, 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 carbon roller cone bits. You know, they had uh, real hard, and sometimes they still use those 
for certain areas. But what they call the PDC bit now, it's gotten to be a, a very popular um, a bit to drill with just about in any kind of formation. And that diamond is very hard, very hard. You know, God created all of these things that we wrote on our deal. He created all of them, all these stones. And I think if we went back and we, you know, God will reveal to us all of his thinking and his logic about how, why he created these. One, they're beautiful. And not, and not only that, he's going to have them in that beautiful city that he's going to bring down, along with pearls and names and his children. But diamonds have some other peculiar clivities. Um, a diamond can actually be cleaved and you get a beautiful gemstone. They have cleavage properties, but you've got to be real careful how you do that. Um, a diamond is also very hard. And like I say, they, um, they have what they, they have the two types of bits. They have the roller cone bit, which is a diamond. The diamond's impregnated in a, in a matrix, and then it, it actually goes against the deal. And then the other one is what they call diamond impregnated. And they just put a whole bunch of diamonds on there, and then they just drill into this hard stuff with it. And it works it off. But it's a, it's a beautiful gem. And like Matt was saying, we are all gems to God because Jesus Christ sacrificed his life. Take the time to study the word and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven because it's given to you, his disciples, to understand them.